2: He was late to shoot around and that happens with the guy and you guys like joke with them. You tell him. Damn, who okay. said that?
3: He said that. I got to tell him not say that. He's tripping. We didn't even ask him. He oh, him. yeah, yeah, yeah. He got to learn. He got to
4: learn. God. <laughs> I got to tell him not say that. Learn your cliches. That's DeMar Rosen. He of the Chicago Bulls. Actually, he is the Chicago Bulls in the fourth quarter. Although Matt <laughs> Williams had a fourth quarter in overtime, Patrick Williams he did a thing. The Bulls will play the Heat tonight. The East leading Heat tonight. Six forty five is broadcast time. Programming begins then. Before that, on Saturday, Suckage this hour. The uh, the guest will be Cody Westerland talking about the Bulls, and we'll take you right up to we'll we'll bring you. Tony LaRoos' interview with Inside the Clubhouse at 1.40 in this hour. Then we'll take you up to Cubs Baseball. Matt Spiegel and Elise Meneker will be on the call for the score today. And they'll take you up to the Bulls at 645. Joining us on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, is the DeMar Rosen whisper, Cody Westerlin. Cody, how you doing?
2: I'm doing well. How are you
4: doing good? Doing good. We're we're so the in the standings, the Bulls and Raptors are tied and the Bulls are listed above them holding the the tiebreaker. However, they're playing the heat tonight, the Bulls are. And then the Raptors get the the Heat tomorrow night. So this is I mean, I guess you say, all right, whatever happens, happens. Cleveland can't catch them. It's unlikely they're going to have happen. It's unlikely that it's going to happen. Is load management a problem? Do you play everybody you can tonight? I. How do you expect this next week to go?
2: Well, I think the Bulls will continue to play this out normally. Other than maybe they have a back to back on Tuesday and Wednesday against the Bucks and then Celtics at home. If the Bulls feel like they're they're somehow kind of locked into the six-seed range or something, maybe you rest Zach Levine on the second of the back-to-back here in the middle of the week. But otherwise, I think the Bulls will play it out pretty normally because they need to get rhythm, right, chemistry with this group that hasn't played well enough. And they can only do that with everyone playing as as healthy as they can possibly be. And right now, um, they are basically fully healthy other than Zach's knee acts up sometimes and then obviously Lonzo Ball is still out for him, but Pat Williams is back doing a little bit more. So I expect the Bulls to play this out pretty normally and, and keep trying to push uh, for, for the five seed if they can. But, I mean, if you're asking me right now, Bulls and Raptors are tied. Bulls have the tiebreaker, but the Raptors have a little bit easier schedule. They end the year with games against the Rockets and Knicks, who, who they should be able to take care of if they need to and want to. Um, So you're looking at the Bulls right now, five or six seed. Probably that's what we got to sort out with uh, five games left in the regular season.
5: Cody, we were talking earlier about the fact that this is probably where the Bulls. Let me back up for a second. Going into the season, we were thinking this is about where the Bulls are going to be. The five or the six seed and avoid the play in would be a a success Is that still the case considering the fact that they spent so much time in first place in the East?
2: Yeah, I still view this season as a success if the Bulls, as we expect, avoid the play-in, and it would take a absolute huge collapse by the Bulls to fall behind the Cavs at this point with five games to play and essentially a four-game lead when you consider the tiebreaker. So I I think this season's been progress for the organization. I think As fans, as observers, media members, everyone across the NBA watching, like, we're prisoners of the moment sometimes. We have recency bias, and the Bulls uh, built—it was a little bit of a house of cards at times when they were in first place, right? Like, they had a five-game winning streak right before the All-Star break against pretty bad teams, and they were winning by four to seven points, and DeMar DeRozan was going for, like, 40 points every night shooting like 16 of 24, and he was just outrageously good. If he had been slightly worse, they could have lost a couple of those games. They would have been more in that three or four mix and a bunched up East all year. So uh, I, I don't get too distracted by the fact that they were in first place. Uh, I think it's a success um, organizationally to to get back to the playoffs And if they can go out there and have a competitive series, I think that would mean a lot for some of these young guys and even guys like Zach Levine, who hasn't been in the playoffs before, like getting out there is important. Um, Having a chance in big games and big moments is important for this team. And I, I'm a little bit uh, more optimistic on this team, I think than, than maybe some others are lately. And not because I think they're going to win a first round series, but I still think they'll get in a first round series and be really competitive hard-fought series, and they'll probably lose in the first round. But I think that is important for an organization. So I don't get lost too much in the fact that they were in first place earlier in the season and around Christmas and New Year's or anything, because this this was never going to be a championship team, even though at times it felt like they had played games at a level in which they could beat some of the best teams in the NBA.
4: Our guest is Cody Westerlund and he covers the Bulls for the Score. You're listening to Saturday Suckage right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. And for the, all the ups and downs and the exciting, the roller coaster year that it has been, that this seems, this feels about right. Given this team, one of the biggest, maybe the biggest accomplishment was that the fear of DeRozan and Levine playing my turn basketball turned into the dynamic duo in the fourth quarter. And they could play together. They could play off each other. That was spectacular. And the difference that Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso made, you saw Caruso's coming back. So how's Caruso's back? And if you're talking load management, that could be an important part of it as well. And what will that lineup look like if you... What's your best lineup if Caruso, if Caruso's back is healthy, and what do you do if it's not?
2: Well, I think if Caruso is good to go and healthy, and right now it's more of an injury to manage for him rather than something that they're worried about sidelining for the postseason or anything like that, it just acts up on him um, in games sometimes. But I think moving Caruso back to point guard and putting Patrick Williams in at power forward at some point, could be the best option for the Bulls because Io DeSumo's kind of hit a rookie wall when the Bulls start. Alex Caruso kind of as that power forward um, in some ways. It's a really small lineup, and teams can take advantage of that as good as Caruso is defensively. like I just think they need a little bit bigger body out there with Patrick Williams. And after his good game against the Clippers on Thursday evening— uh, in which he played a career-high nearly 37 minutes. Like His conditioning's getting really close to being normal, what you would expect out of him, and, and he looked good and closed that game well for the Bulls, so that was a good sign. I think the move at some point is to put Patrick Williams back in the starting lineup. I, I don't know if the Bulls are quite there yet, but they've recently moved Javante Green out of the starting lineup and gone with that Io and Caruso um, both out there on the court together because Billy's wanted that that small lineup to kind of exploit teams offensively and take some of the ball handling pressure off Caruso in the half court. But when the playoffs roll around it, it, at some point, I think you need a little bit bigger guy um, against these best playoff teams. So that would be what I would do. I mean, at this point, like I think the bulls are more worried about Lonzo ball than, than maybe Alex Caruso um, injury wise. Cause like Caruso Caruso's like always banged up, right guys? Like it's a foot injury, he's (laughs) falling on the floor, he's hitting his head, he's rolling over. Like Alex Caruso having something that is sore is like just inherently built into him as a player. And sometimes you don't know like how much pain he's actually in. Um, So they didn't start him in the second half the other night because they were a little mindful of not wanting Marcus Morris to post him up five times or something and bang him under the basket. And they started Patrick Williams when he was playing well in the
5: I think we lost Cody.
4: No. No. Did was it Io cut him off? I don't know. I think All we right. lost him. I'll, I'll, I'll have s- to call him. Hold on. I'll try to try to get him back. Cody Westerland is our guest. We're talking Bulls. Bulls and Heat tonight. 645, Chuck's pregame. Uh to uh <clears throat> As they face off, the Bulls are facing the best team in the East, or at least the team leading the East. Milwaukee's still the best team in the East. You'll hear that on the score, 645 with Chuck, and um, on 670, the score, and... Cody's back! We will let Cody finish that thought or sentence or whatever he wants to do.
2: I'm sorry, Rosie. I don't even know where I left off there.
4: Well, we ba- you're basically debating the... the Io hitting a wall is a wonderful point. It would be so great if Lonzo were back because you'd you'd have everybody in their regular roles. And you're right. Caruso is the team bruise. His team colors are black and blue. And he's just that guy. And something's always hurting him. But when you see him, he can't start the second half. He's wearing a back brace. He's like, he's Monty Python's Black Knight. And at some point, you're going to lose. You're going to be dismembered, and you'll be game, but you can't move. Well, call it a draw. Yes. So that's what scares me, Cody.
2: Yeah, and I mean, injuries have, have plagued the Bulls all year. Yeah. But really, at this point, it, everyone's had them, right? So, like, I'm not viewing these injuries really as an excuse for the Bulls in any way because – with Zach, too, I think that's why it might be wise to sit him out on the back-to-back on Wednesday if there's not too much playoff seating at stake. But like he's been really explosive on offense sometimes, and you can tell he, he does have that trust in his knee. Now, I think his defense has lagged a little bit on that end uh, here in the last couple months since he had that knee injury in January. But at the same time, like for the most part, these guys that are out there are about as healthy as they can be. Um, so I, I still think I'm going to hold them to the high standard, other than the fact that it's trending, that obviously they're not going to have Lonzo Ball in the playoffs. That's
5: what I was going to ask there, Cody, is where do you think, when, I should say, do you think Lonzo Ball plays? at? Do you think he's going to play it all this season? Because so we saw this last week he's starting to try to ramp back up after this small setback whatever you want to call it he had so what what are you thinking there are they are we going to see Lonzo Ball at all the rest of the season
2: my guess would be no and that's because essentially everything would have to go perfectly for Lonzo Ball to return right now for the Bulls and this just hasn't been a situation in which everything's going perfectly for him anytime you get shut down for 10 days like he did recently like that's a big setback you know So he had that knee surgery in late January. They thought he would be back by the end of the regular season, but he just has not responded well, cannot do sprinting, can't do cutting yet. So their hope is basically today, tomorrow, uh, stuff like that, is that he starts working back toward that at full speed work. But I'm just not seeing it. I mean, if you're hoping for a best-case scenario here, it would be that he's cleared, I think, maybe for – for sprinting by the end of this week, and you get him in the regular season finale against the Timberwolves for a few minutes, and then you'd have four or five days of practice before the playoffs start. You'd have that off week, maybe ability, but it's rough. I, I'm just not seeing it. I, I think it feels like Lonzo really wants to play, and right now it kind of feels like the Bulls are just going to exhaust every resource for. For their mental health and his mental health to know that they did everything they could, but it's just not trending. It doesn't feel like right now in a good direction, unless he's really going to have a breakthrough today, tomorrow, and and Monday. In many ways, I think.
4: Cody Westlanders, I guess, covers the Bulls for the score. That's the radio station you're listening to. Saturday Suckage. Speaking of Suckage, I, I straighten me out here. Help me out here. Make me smarter, Cody. I don't know how you can play Nikola Vucevic at the end of a game, at the end of a game that you want to win. He does not he seems to be the target, the object of every pick and roll. They don't defend it very well. He's worse than most. And you traded you traded a bunch of people. You, it it looks like a disaster when you trade that much for a guy who can't close a game. When I look at Wendell Carter Jr. and think he could play the end of the game more likely than Vucevic could. So, makes sense to me.
2: You're picking on our guy Vuce.
4: Well, I'm just picking on a guy who seems to be the guy everybody else is picking on in the NBA.
2: Yeah, that's what that's what good teams do. Like They target those guys. They're always going to find someone out there. And let me tell you right now, if they're not going to target Vuce at the end of games they could probably just go target DeMar DeRozan. You know what I mean? So So,
4: so is this sort of like being the Twitter person of the day? You don't want to be that? Yes, you
2: you don't want your name to be (laughs) trending. And when Vooch is out there, DeMar's name doesn't always trend as much defensively because they put him in the pick and roll. So, I mean, he's going to close games. I could see Tristan Thompson coming in for some offense-defense subs for Vooch um, when there are dead balls and Billy has enough timeouts to use late in the game. I could even see Patrick Williams obviously getting playing time as a five in some certain situations. So uh, I, I think for the most part, Vooch is going to be in the closing lineup when there's three minutes left in a game and it's, it's a two-point contest in the playoffs. So I expect Vooch to be in there. But you're right, Like there are a lot more strategical decisions that need to be made here uh, in a playoff setting because there's no tomorrow and you're playing better teams, and you're playing teams that game plan better and commit to a game plan better than they do just on a random January Wednesday evening at the United Center coming off a back-to-back or something. So yeah, I mean, we've already seen it a little bit, Billy Donovan with offense-defense substitute. here. I think he worked Javante Green in and out of the lineup late on on Thursday in some moments just because of his um, energy and ability to fly around the court and defend a little bit more in a pick-and-roll setting. But yeah, it's rough. Like, the Bulls need Vooch, though. Like, I, I don't think this team is good enough offensively late in games against good teams if Vooch isn't on the floor, right? Like, I think these teams can take away way too much if it's just DeMar, Zach, and then, like, Io's out there, Caruso and Tristan Thompson or, something, or Pat Williams instead of Tristan Thompson. Like, there's really no number three option in that situation for the Bulls in a half-court setting. So I think that's why boots probably has to play for the offensive reasons or that Bulls offense is really going to bog down in the playoffs.
4: Well, we will see how it plays out. I suspect we'll know more later in the week to the point where Zach can get that rest you were talking about, which would at least give you hope that they could win a game or two. I don't know any team out there they can beat, but...
2: Yeah, no. I mean, the one good thing for the Bulls is there's no back-to-backs in the playoffs, right? And you could have two games or two days between some of your games. So so maybe Zach's feeling really good in in a playoff setting would be the hope.
4: Cody, thanks for your time. Thanks for the knowledge. We appreciate it.
2: Yep, you guys have a good rest of your day.
4: You too. Cody, read him after the Bulls play. The Heat tonight coverage on the score. This radio station 670 AM. It's us. Uh, we are. It is. It is. by the score? It is not you and me, not Saturday Suckage, but but it is us. Six seventy. The score. Six forty five. Chuck's pregame. So we we'll take a break. Uh, later on in this hour, we will replay the interview. Tony LaRussa came in and sat down with with Bruce Levine and David Hahn inside the clubhouse and talked huh. about the trade that they made to get a corner outfielder with whom Tony is intimately familiar and. and infinitely complimentary about and what it means in terms of, I don't know, pretty shiny things like world series rings perhaps. So we'll talk about that before we get to Tony Russo. And also I think I came across, are you much of a April fool's guy? Eh, not really. I guess I I probably was in a younger life, but not really so much anymore. Right. I'm not much of that either, but I do have a great appreciation for somebody who pulls off something like April fools can end now after what i saw Ooh, okay yesterday so we'll share that with the trash panda and i think you need to update us again on sweet alice and shooter because trash panda is not just it, it it's not just a name that happened to be given out it was earned and it continues to be earned and our friend julie Swica sent us a trash can that reminded us all of that so we'll share that Next it's your Saturday, second Steve Rosenblum, Trash Band of Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy to score.
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the twelve precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
1: Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way.
6: <laughs> yeah,
5: April Fools was yesterday. It's one of my favorite Simpsons scenes, by the way.
4: They're all your favorites. I mean, what is this? One of my I, favorites. I,
3: it's
5: all you do is retweet I could, their. I could uh, quote of the day. Yeah, it's it's. I've had a long running joke with one of my friends that, and he feels the same way. If you ask me to make a list of my top. Five favorite Simpsons episodes. The list would be about fifteen episodes long. I just assumed it would be all of them because that's mm. the way that's the way it works. Uh, everything before season thirteen or fourteen or so. Yeah. Okay. Did
4: did where does uh, Mighty Ho- Homer at the Bat? Oh, that's
5: really high up there. Yeah,
4: that would legitimately be top five. Yeah. Okay. We passed that. We didn't. I I for I had marked down. I had written down. We need to. Mark that down and mark and talk about it, and we didn't, and that's your fault. I blame you, Trash Panda. Man, my bad. Yeah. He's Trash Panda. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Uh, mark grody was on this show. He is on the show. He was on the show. He's not on the show now. He was driving out for a... <laughs> the idea that Mark told us he was driving out for a sub sandwich and he was joining us on the air to spare him the misery suckage of having to listen to us prompted this from a texter, 224 texter. Grody can't be bothered to host the show because he's driving to Addison to get a sandwich? I'm calling Chunga. I
5: don't even know what that, the Chunga? What is that? Is that a made-up word? Can oh we say that? I don't know. my
4: God. You know, Chunga, Chunga is your brand manager here at The Score. Oh, it's a nickname I wasn't aware of. Okay, Chunga was the was the name of the back when Chunga was you as a producer. Oh, it was for Kevin Matthews. Wow, that's a deep cut. He was, yeah, that is that's that's um old timers day right there. So you call Chunga, he'll be happy to hear from you. And and I thought that was just I'm just like trying
5: I'm just struggling with the idea of going all the way to Addison for a sandwich. There's plenty of sandwich shops here
4: in the city. I think it had probably something to do with the friend. Well, he can come here. Yeah. He, no, you don't want to come into the war zone that is the city of Chicago. What do you got? Unless, unless you got Kevlar vest, you can't come into the city of Chicago. Fair point. The uh, tech zone, by the way, is brought to you by and Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at RosenHyundai.com. So he came in with these Simpsons, April Fool's thing. I, not much of April Fool's and all the jokes and just naturally disbelieve everything that happened, but I really respected this. It is executive order number 104. It's drawn up and you know it's official because it has a whole bunch of wherefores, therefores, whereases. So I will read this to you. Whereas on June 27th, 1935, the New Jersey legislature designated the American goldfinch as the official state bird, and whereas it is important for state symbols to reflect New Jersey's culture and values, and whereas New Jersey drivers are famous for their skills, enthusiasm, and expressive hand gestures... Now therefore I Philip D Murphy governor of the state of New Jersey by virtue of the authority vested in me by the constitution and by the statutes of this state do hereby order and direct the following 1 the state bird is hereby changed from the american goldfinch to the middle finger <laughs> It goes on. (laughs) It goes on. It shall be the duty of every person or entity in this state or doing business in this state and of the members of the governing body and every official, employee, or agent of every political subdivision in this state and of each member of all other governmental bodies, agencies, and authorities in this state of any nature whatsoever— To cooperate fully in all matters concerning this order, three, happy April Fools. That's hilarious. He declared the (laughs) state burden. Governor of Missouri. Governor Murphy. I love that guy.
5: This just gave me actually a really good idea for a prank. So if you have one of these proclamations like that, make a really long one. That just keeps using all those, you know, propagation words and therefores yeah, and just and keeps It never actually gets to anything. Right. I think that would be a really good prank to right. send out to to media members or something.
4: We've, I would appreciate that. We've got to protect our phony baloney jobs, gentlemen. Yeah. So that was it, and um, and so we have an update. Trash pa- Sweet Alice had an yeah. update on shooter for Trash Panda.
5: Yeah, she. I was talking to her last night and my dad was trying to shoot a raccoon out of my (laughs) old bedroom window. So he didn't get it though. So if anyone's concerned,
4: really goes on the, the, the transparent nature of your family that she's going to call. Well, she didn't call me just to tell me that she, she wasn't going to call and not tell you. Well,
5: yeah, she texted me that before, before we had our phone conversation. So, right. Yeah. She
4: made a point of that. She made a point to tell me. And Shooter yes. was aiming at some raccoons, and how's his aim? Uh,
5: apparently last night, that not that good. I guess he's out of practice. He didn't get it. So didn't did, yeah, did You know, I can't blame him.
4: I'm, I'm out of practice, too. Reviving so. this was um, <clears throat> our friend Julie Swyka sent, a, sent me a text photo where she went into a place and saw a, a trash can with a picture of a trash panda on it. And it's a beautiful thing. It's not quite the Rocket City Trash Pandas minor league team, that logo.
5: Okay, so this just reminded me. Did you see the picture that Shane posted yesterday of the fellow that wandered up to their, when they were doing, not yesterday, last week, when they were doing the show at Vegas, the one that preempted us? There was Uh a a fellow that walked up wearing a trash panda shirt. He had just an incredible getup. I got I to gotta go back and find it. He was wearing like knee-high socks, I think with <laughs> knee-high socks with shorts with like swim trunks that are just, you know, like ugly colored swim trunks, something I would wear and a, and a trash panda shirt, a Rocket City trash panda shirt Our guys. and sunglasses and a hat. Oh, I'm going to be this guy for Halloween.
4: He he looked heroic. Oh my god! The only thing missing would have been the if he had the like suspenders from the socks. That you have you hold the you get the things to hold up your socks that go to your belt. Oh my god!
5: I gotta find, I gotta scroll back and find this picture now.
4: And so a texture here is having me. Did you have to explain to Parkinson Spiegel? But it wasn't Parkinson Spiegel. In they were in Vegas, but last time it was Spiegel and Bernstein, right? Yeah, I had to explain to them. Actually, I explained to Danny the day before
5: that, and then Dan and Speegs on Saturday. I explained, or no, on Friday, whatever, it doesn't matter. One of the days, I, I explained to everyone on the show at some point why I'm called Trash Panda. Right. And Dan... Dan was more concerned about the fact that I spent time shooting birds because, you know, he's a big bird guy. I was like, Dan, I didn't get a chance to tell him this. As we moved on. I was like, Dan, they're nuisance animals where I grew up, you know, mm-hmm. like that's the blackbirds are all over the place down there. They're, they're a nuisance. You got to get rid of them. 815 mom says stop shooting raccoons. Well, they, they didn't get shot. He missed So
4: <laughs> nice.
5: <laughs> nice. Okay. I just Again, though, they're nuisance animals down there. They get on the porch. They get in the garden. They, yeah, they get rid
4: of They're them. varmints. All right. We um, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Tony La Russa, White Sox manager, was on the day after the trade in which the Sox dumped Craig Kimbrell on the Dodgers and got back a quality hitter, quality outfielder, quality player, a former champion, AJ Pollock. So we're going to take a break. And then we will close out the show. We will take you up to Cubs Baseball. Cubs Baseball will be your play-by-play team. And color analyst will be Matt Spiegel and Elise Meneker. You'll hear them at 155 Cubs and Angels. Before that, inside the clubhouse, Bruce Levine, David Haw. They interviewed Tony La Russa. We'll take a break. and we come back with that, Steve Rosenbloom, Trash Panda. <laughs> Trash Panda. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The score. Oh, my God text from las vegas local 702 texter i saw the trash panda shirt guy it's on my twitter feed it's on trash panda's twitter feed at tristler studs oh my god that's a look all right Halloween well, costume thanks trash panda for writing shotgun and apparently shooter shotgun missed the raccoons we'll get to that uh, I want to thank Scott Merkin at MLB.com and Mark Rody for not being on Mark Rody's show and Cody Weschelund for being on the show. Everyone who listened and called and texted and made it up, here's Tony La from Inside the Clubhouse this morning on The Score.
6: Tony La Russa, our next guest is on the guest hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Good morning, Tony. How are you? Well, I'm
7: looking forward to this night game. We have a chance to play uh, against the Diamondbacks, and they're going to honor Roland Heeman, so it's going to be a special day.
6: What a great occasion. Yeah, that is terrific that they will honor Roland Heeman. And, and Tony, we, we are talking about the trade that was made yesterday. A.J. Pollock joins your team, and Bruce and I have been talking the first hour about just how he fits in. Left field, right field, you have the luxury of depth in the outfield. How do you see A. J. Pollock being used best?
7: Well, like that. He's uh he's a quality pro. I had the good fortune of being Arizona with him uh, during my time there. So I know, you know, when in those years it was he and Paul Goldsmith were the leaders on that team and then he goes to L A where he's been part of the playoffs, you know, every year and including a world championship, uh He's a solid defensive player. Uh, he's got tools. He's, he runs well. He, he's got a good arm. Uh, you know, when he makes contact, the ball is alive off his bat. So uh, he's playing tonight. He's going to play a right field in our game against the Diamondbacks. And, you know, one thing about outfielders, it's not like if you bring in a, an extra first baseman or second baseman. You know, there's only one of them. But there are three outfielders, and this really gives us some uh, protection where, you know, we can have some guys that uh, if somebody gets a little sore, uh, we have the depth
3: to handle it. Tony, a uh, pleasure having you on this morning. Thanks for taking the time out, uh, David. And I appreciate it. When you uh, when you look at your, your DH situation, uh, you have the luxury of having some really great hitters to choose from, and you also have the luxury of uh, – of moving people around and getting the best out of them as far as getting them in that role and then maybe, uh, DHing to save their legs. Um, what is the balance that you look at there? How challenging is that for a manager who has very good players at, at, at multiple positions on a team?
7: Well, I remember from my previous experience in American league and then it was you know, you go to the National League, and it's not the same. Now you come. I came back last year. Uh, you got well. You don't sometimes have a choice because sometimes you have such a you know an overwhelming kind of DH that he needs to play to be part of that lineup, and he's not really a defensive player. And I can give you a couple, three examples. You know, you would know who they are too. But the one that, the one that works best for a team is a situation like ours where you can use that DH as a half a day off for, uh, for like, for a break, you. Uh, in our club, too, I mean, remember the second half of the year when Yaz came back. I mean, he was one of our most productive hitters, so when he wasn't catching, he was able to DH. Uh, and the same thing would be true like Eloy. You can get his him off his feet. So when you can manipulate that uh, the DH spot to keep guys in the lineup without giving them a full day off when they're getting, you know, and maybe they're a little sore or they're, you know, just fatigued. It's really an asset to the club, and that's – we'll just uh, pay attention. You know, a guy like Jose, you know, wants to be in there every day at first base, but every once in a while the DH makes sense. So we just will rotate it.
6: Joined by White Sox manager Tony La Russa here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The score, Tony. The, that was good news when you made the trade yesterday for AJ Pollock. The bad news was that Garrett Crochet, the power lefty, he is going to undergo Tommy John surgery out for this season. He has special stuff. He is a guy that was developing nicely. How do you replace a guy with stuff that seems irreplaceable?
7: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna back up on stride and let you know that. Uh uh you know uh Craig Kimbrel is a really special not just talent but a special uh, teammate and uh you know I knew him in Boston I saw him firsthand and he could not have been better with us as a teammate he came in ready trying to do his everything he could to help us i think it was a brilliant move by Rick in the front office and Kanedo you know, to, to add that kind of potential i think the deeper we got into the playoffs uh, his value would have shown itself, but when you start the season new, uh, it really is a difficult position when you've been a uh, closer with him. He's got real good credentials to be a Hall of Fame guy. So I just want fans to know that uh, this is a very special guy. But in our situation, man, you try to put him in position to succeed, and that was that's that was very it would be very difficult. And he would have handled it the best he could, but I. I just wish him the best. We all wish him the best with the Dodgers. Uh, now, at the same time, uh, this game can be brutal at times with the breaks that, the, uh, that a player or pitcher has to go through, and that's what happened to Garrett. Uh, it was very difficult in the clubhouse after the game, you know, and he was torn up. So we, we all got together yesterday, and and, uh, and we talked about it, and, uh, and it's a lot like when Eli got hurt in spring training last year, you know, that our, our focus number one is on Garrett and making sure that he knows that we're behind him and uh, he's a part of everything that we do. Uh, and the one good thing about is he's a young guy and he gets this thing taken care of. You remember in 2020 he had some soreness there. And mm-hmm. uh, so this, this probably was going to happen at some point and it happens now. So, he can get it. He can have the surgery. He can do the rehab, and he can come back, you know, with a with a brand new tendon there, and 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 have a, a a lot of years of a great career. So we're all very supportive. We want him to be around as much as possible. But at the same time, you know, the games count, and uh, and and we're going to have to fill that spot, you know, with with somebody else, and uh, and you know, we'll figure it out. We'll do it. You know, we're, we're deep enough to make it work. But we're going to miss Garrett.
3: Tony uh, managing in the age of social media and Twitter uh, you had to come out and uh, talked about how you uh, have always been supportive of the White Sox fans and I remember that going back uh, to your first time with them and and even very respectful as you were uh, always when you were an opposing manager but uh, how is it different now having to respond to social media as a manager and opinions of people uh when they when they think that you've uh said one thing and uh, you really have meant
7: another, I think the best thing is that you don't respond you know i i mean there's a lot of uh issues in the first season and I, I never whenever it was personal I just ignored it because there's nothing you can do about it except do your job and and uh it you know it's just a reality people have opinions and they're welcome to their opinions but when it goes to a, to something that involves someone else, like if it if if a social media uh, comment had something to do between about my relationship with a player, for example, that I know is not true, I'd speak up. In this case, uh, this issue about me disrespecting our white Sox fans and being rude, I mean, that really bothered me because that is totally one hundred percent the opposite of what I feel. I mean, I felt it when I was here before. Whenever I come back to town, and I would see White Sox fans, they, they knew I was part of the family, and I was very, I was very, I am very excited to be back and hopefully make them happy and be part of a team that gets to October again and goes as far as we can go. So for me to to list and read that, you know, I i, I not to disrespect them. No, what I tried to say was, anytime you have uh, an issue come up where people want somebody to add. People, your team. You want the clubhouse to know that you believe the coaching staff, and you believe, and the organization believes that we can win with what we have, and that's what I meant. I meant that I'm, I think the White Sox fans know that we're going to do the best we can with what we have, and it also means the front office, and they think they're working hard to make moves, but there's 29 other teams that are trying to make moves too, so you know we don't get distracted about. Hey, what if this guy or what if that guy gets traded aside? That's not that's not how we operate and uh, what I meant more than anything else was if people think we need um, a, a, another player or a pitcher or something it's not, you know that they not they're not they don't have the the White Sox mentality that you know we go with what we got.
6: Tony, I was more intrigued by something two of your players said this week rather than some fans and In The Athletic, Ken Rosenthal quoted Liam Hendricks and Lucas Giolito as talking about the role complacency played in the second half kind of slide last year, if you want to call it that. You guys weren't as good in the second half as you were in the first. And as somebody who is known for his edge, as somebody as competitive as you are, I wondered how you interpreted those comments coming from your players.
7: Well, I respect those guys. I mean, they, they, you know, but the the thing – that uh, we talked about last year, and I it would mention it now. You know, these are I said all the time. You know, men not machines. It, you know, it's human nature to have to fight to keep your edge. And you know, we, we had the big lead. Uh, you know, we kept having some issues with people that we were that we were we were losing, but then we got the, the you know our big outfielders back. But the one I would say to him was that overall. We fought through that, and we had a winning record every month of the 2021 season. That is really hard to do, um, unless you're very relentless. And even in the second half, we, you know, here and there, you know, we uh, we were not maybe didn't push it as hard. We still managed to get the wins to to, to stay ahead of the uh, of the central. And in the end, you know, we really looked at uh, having the lead. The last 2 or 3 weeks to, to say okay let if you're sore rest don't play if you're tired rest don't play but when you play we got to play and we wanted to, the club the club made the decision they wanted to finish strong and I know in 2020 you know they struggled and I think you know we won you know we were like 6 and 1 or somebody was sent out of the last 10 going into the playoffs so you know I just think it's a normal kind of issue when you get far ahead there's a tendency that uh you know, you you can lose an edge and we fought it and, then, and we handled it decently. But it's also I I agree with the guys, you know, it's something we can learn for. Uh, I remember in Boston, you know, they won like a hundred and some games because, you know, you, you know, you didn't you keep pushing and it's a good lesson for us. To, first of all we gotta get to that place where you know we're really doing well and then we keep pushing.
3: Tony La Russa joining us on inside the clubhouse for just a few more minutes and interesting tony um you and i were talking in the backfield a, a couple days ago and you know there's a lot of
1: now with the mlb app you can get baseball your way pick your favorite team your favorite players and get customized highlights stories and breaking news right on your home feed follow the action with game Tip, where 3d replays add another dimension plus notifications can keep you connected to every pitch every hit every game